Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And we've all heard the phrase, it's a man's world, and ask folks about the advantages that men have over women and you're likely to hear comments like, men have all the power, they make more money than women, and they're more likely to be domineering, even abusive. But if uh, you're like me, you probably wonder if, in fact, male dominance remains true today. And my guest, spiritual guide and workshop leader, Sparrow Hart, says it's time to set the record straight and acknowledge that men are having a rough time today. Uh, lately. And more importantly, he's here with some ideas on how both we men and you ladies can make connection with the world around us and discover our passion, purpose, power, and live the joyful and productive lives we were created to live. And before I introduce him, here is Sparrow Hart's bio. Hard to imagine now, but Sparrow reveals on his website that as a young adult, like most men, he lived a life of quiet desperation, withdrawn, quiet, afraid of conflict, and reluctant to express his opinions and desires, struggling with fears of rejection. That all began to change in 1971 when Sparrow Hart began his deep exploration of nature and wilderness with a five-month solo pilgrimage through the Cascades and the Canadian Rockies and when he uh, undertook his first vision quest in 1980, and over the past 30-plus years, he studied with a variety of Native and non-Native medicine teachers in the U.S. and Mexico, and he's founder of Circles of Air, Circles of Stone, author of the inspirational book Letters to the River, A Guide to a Dream Worth Living, creator of the Mystic Warrior Training, founder of the annual Men's Wisdom Council, and a frequent workshop leader around the U.S. And hello, Sparrow Hart. We're most honored to have you here today as a guest on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Oh, thank you, Roy. It's it's good to be here. Well, before we talk about Vision Quest, let's talk a bit about the disadvantages of being a man. In your promotion, you cite five reasons why it's not a man's world. What are those five reasons? Oh, okay. Well, um, I, could, I could tell you one, and one's uh, really obvious. You know, um, as you were reciting my bio, I, I was a little shocked. It said, oh, my God, I'm that old. <laughs> I've been doing this that long. But, uh, but you know, um, when I came into age in the late uh, 60s, it was time of the Vietnam War. Yeah, and um, I remember how scared I and virtually every other young man I knew was <laughs> about getting drafted, yeah. you know, get, getting sent 
to a war none of us believed in and possibly coming home, if not in a body bag, uh, if not that, but perhaps coming home with uh, a drug addiction or, uh, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. And there was no young woman I know of who had any of that anxiety. No, that's very true. When you cite some statistics that demonstrate men's disadvantages, what are a few of those? I know men live shorter lives, and you have several others. That, uh... Yeah, men men live shorter lives. Um, for young men, um, they're like five times as likely to commit suicide as young women. Wow. Um, uh, today, uh, 56% per- of the students admitted to college are women, yeah, young women. Yeah, and, uh, and they make up the majority of graduates. Yeah. And and in uh, these days, and you know, I think we all have an impression of men's and women's power based from a few decades ago. Where, yeah, I think so. but but right now, yeah, as I said, more young women enter college than men. They more graduates, and generally, they uh, their salary is equal or greater to the than those young graduates. Yeah, you, you mentioned one thing that kind of surprised me. You said that men have less access to health care. Please explain yep. that. I didn't realize that that was a, a problem. Well, um, are you a football fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> College, okay. especially. Um, well, you know, uh, you know, if you watch football, you'll see the National Football League, I think it's probably on one weekend a year, all the players are wearing, like, Pink cleats or pink pink yeah. arm ba- armbands, you know, sure. National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Now, but the incidence of prostate cancer, um, prostate cancer kills way more men than breast cancer oh, kills women. Oh and do you see the NFL wearing any <laughs> special <laughs> uniforms for prostate cancer awareness? <laughs> no. no. That's um, a good point. Yeah, Are you and right. I I would say, I don't know if it's, maybe I was slightly incorrect in saying that women have more access to health care, but they use it more. Yeah. They they certainly use it when they're pregnant, which men don't. (laughs) Well, well, not just pregnant, but um, uh, men and most, uh, and and actually most men I know don't even consider health care because the the ideal of masculinity that yeah. um, that I learned is that you never complain, and asking for help is kind of a sign of weakness. So yeah, my wife's but, always trying to get me to go to the doctor for something. I always refuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, like I just, <laughs> yeah, it's a, just that the men have been trained to see it as weakness to yeah, yeah admit to being tired, admit to being ill, admit yeah. to struggling. Because it's uh, and so they tend to, you know, they tend to make up a little less than forty percent of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the healthcare use. So. Well, you rightly remind us that we men, when dealing with the ladies, are often caught between a rock and a hard place. Can you please tell us why? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense what what you say there. But. Yeah. Well, um, so I've led um, men's workshops for. I've got 25 years now, and you know, uh, you know, one of them that's gone for 25 years is the Men's Wisdom Council, and that's a a week long program. 
in in June, and and I've led a nine weekend program, the Mythic Warrior, for almost as long. Yeah. And one of the things uh, I've learned is that when men get together for the purpose of exploring their emotions and their deep desires, all of this emotion pours out huh. that would that would never come out if they were around women. Yeah, I like the way you say women say they want men to express their feelings more, but when they do, women say not those feelings, because women well, want the nice guy feelings, not the real feelings of frustration or resentment. They say they want to know more about us men, but they really don't want to know the bad things. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, re- I realize that's that... Um, Certainly working with men in all men's contexts, uh, a lot of when those feelings come out, they're really raw and yeah. they're intense. And uh, yeah. and a lot of men have, have learned, oh, don't scare women or don't, <laughs> you know, uh, to keep your mouth shut. And so certainly when, when getting in those uh, male retreat contexts, all of this uh, emotion pours out. And some of it may start with anger, but a lot of it is about grief and frustration yeah, of yeah. dreams they could never live because they uh, had to get a job, earn a living yeah. right away. Yeah. So. Well, in recent months and years, it seems like it's gotten tougher than ever for for us men, given the women's Me Too movement. And obviously, <laughs> I'm not opposed to women coming forward and speaking out to point out real instances of sexual abuse. But here's the question. What do you tell your male clients is an effective way for us to express warmth, interest, uh, friendship, and affection, not necessarily romantic, but affection mm-hmm. for a woman without offending her. Is it okay to hug a woman? Joe Biden, I know, got in trouble for that. Can we even pat her on the shoulder? How do we deal with women with the Me Too movement? Well, yeah, I think I think um, I think what's specific to the Me Too movement is. A lot of that is about um, expressing expressing affection or whatever in the workplace, yeah. or when you when you're in some position of power or superiority. Yeah, so, that makes a lot of sense. So I would certainly say, you know, to, you know, ninety five percent of the time when you're just in your normal life and you you actually have a friendship. I mean, yeah. I mean it's. And you know, I live in a world, and certainly most mo- most all my friends, both men and men and women, it's yeah. just a hug is almost expected. Yeah, <laughs> in the world yeah. I live. Great. <laughs> but yeah, if it were a workplace where I um, um, where I actually was a uh, employer, had some power, and there was some um, and there was some kind of attraction. Um, my tendency would be to just uh, say that directly in terms of, hey, you know, um, you know, I know, hey, I have, uh, I'm just saying, I, I, I know I'm attracted to you. Yeah. I just want to mention that, and if you don't want to pursue it, fine, I'll put it yeah. on the shelf. And yeah, I, and I you know, and if really the answer was, the answer in my, was, in no, my no. opinion, the real secret is to treat any woman as you would any man, as a fellow human being who matters and. Yeah. You know, whatever, mm-hmm. and take it yeah. from there and respect her totally as a person and not uh, as an object. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I think for me, just one of the, uh, it's almost like a core principle, and I, I use this with all, 
clients and everything. I always ask permission. Yeah, you know, even if I'm in a coaching or a counseling role, uh, I would, I would, whether to a man or a woman, I would say, "Do you mind if I probe that further?" Yeah, or, that's, you know, that's great. Or, or would, yeah, do you, uh, uh, are you willing to talk more about this? Yeah. And, and so, my sense is, virtually in all situations, if you ask permission and then you know take the answer for what it is, then yeah. you're fine. Well, on your website, you point out that your quiet desperation as a young man had a lot to do with the wounds of childhood. Is this quiet desperation phenomenon found only in folks like you who suffered through painful childhoods, or do we all have that uh, tendency? Well, um, I would say most likely we all have it in, well, not everyone, but the majority of people have it. I mean, that... That quote of that quote, most men suffer lives as quiet desperation, was yeah. made by Thoreau. It was yeah, made in sure. 1848. So, <laughs> so it's not <laughs> so new it, anyway. Yeah, so it was true then. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, so. Some of that obviously can come from childhood wounding. If you're if you're uh, if you're either neglected or abused, yeah. you're yeah. not. You're not validated. You you very quick as a child, since your parents and the world is way bigger than you, you take those things in fully, and it's like you swallow them. So yeah. if you learn if you learn you're no good, or if you learn that your life depends on pleasing your parents and then yeah. pleasing your teachers, then all of a sudden you're uh, twenty or thirty, and your whole life has been about pleasing people, and essentially. It's like saying you you don't have your own life. Yeah, but I like how you say on your website that pain doesn't just come from experiences in our past. Anyone who's disconnected from his or her true sense of purpose, who doesn't feel intimately involved in an endeavor or a story much larger than him or herself, will experience an emptiness and diminishment of life. So it isn't all about uh, a rough childhood. I know I, I suffered through some quiet desperation, and I had a fine upbringing without any real uh, setbacks as a youth. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a combination of things, but a lot of that comes just from not feeling connected. Yeah, and um, and some of it is about. Uh, I was going to say modern life generally, but it's um, you know, a uh, hundred years ago, Sigmund <laughs> Freud said. The price of civilization is neurosis, <laughs> and and I, I, I mean a simple way to put that is well, I'll just make up an example. Uh, you're born into the world, and you're a child, and you have you have dreams of the life you want to lead. Yeah, but but let's just say you 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 grow up in Pennsylvania or West Virginia. Well, yeah. the system needs fifty thousand coal miners. Yeah. I doubt being a coal miner has ever been anyone's dream of the life no, they wanted to live. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, you know. So, so essentially, we uh, for us, uh, we're born with these longings and these, uh, you know, these desires of what we want to express: our truth, our authentic self. Yeah. And then often we meet uh, a system which just offers these particular, you know. To be a computer programmer, to be an auto mechanic, and 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 as I as I say, um, 
on the website, you know, if you had a if you had a if you had size ten feet and you wore size six shoes, yeah, you'd, you'd be in pain all the time. Yeah. But then I say, if you have a size ten soul or size ten dreams, and you're offered a size six life, you're also going to be in pain. Yeah, I be- love that uh, that example. That, that really says it all. So many of us go through life in size six shoes. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about a few possible cures for men. You tell us that neither, nearly all of us men have the experience of being under-fathered and consequently over-mothered. Although we have physically left, very few of us are really separated from our moms. You tell us that moms come with us, standing between us and other men, and projected onto women in our lives. Here's the question. Without abandoning our full respect, love, and affection for mom, how best can we move her out of the way so that we can have genuine one-on-one relationships both with men and women in our adult lives? Is mom really getting in the way? <laughs> well, I think in a kind of large archetypal way, yes. So, you know, um, you know, I know it was true for me, and I don't think it's changed much, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, well, nowadays, often both parents are away at work, so you may yeah. you may not have early childhood with either. But but even if you don't, you probably sent to daycare, where pretty yeah. much it's the, the adults are virtually all women. And then yeah. and so when I was a kid, it was my father was away, and so my oh. mother was the 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 person I dealt with most of the time. And then yeah. I went to school, and it, from uh, the first time I had a male teacher in school was um, eighth grade. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> normal, I guess. Although yeah, I remember so. I had a male teacher in about third grade, which was uh-huh. unusual. He was right. about the only male teacher in the school except for the yeah. uh, gym teacher. <laughs> so so I think, you know, the the basic answer is that, you know, men need to connect with other men. They need to be in men's communities that are focused on the emotional life of men or um, healing the wounds of men. Um, And I I, I would say archetypally, when you look look back at primal cultures and um, indigenous folks, yeah, the the boy was certainly raised by the mother, but at a certain age, it was kind of a classic thing. The older men would come into the village, take the boy, and (laughs) kind of drag him away from the mother and take him out in the woods and introduce him. We need more men like that today, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but so so it was like there was this sense of that archetypally for a boy to become a man, he had to kind of break the ties of dependency on his mother, in other words, women, and actually then bond with the community and culture of men. Now... But I think it's just a sad thing today when you talk about vibrant uh, cultures and communities of men. They're few and far between. Well, let's talk a bit about your vision quest. You describe it as a profound encounter with nature, inner as well as outer, bringing wisdom from the great perennial teachings and stories to bear on the nitty-gritty issues all of us struggle with today. Without going into exhaustive detail, can you ex- please expand upon what your vision quest entails? Yeah, well, um, basically, a vision quest includes three elements. 
and and that is um, solitude. You're alone. Yeah. So you're alone without any um, without iPods, distractions, books, entertainment. <laughs> so it, it it is just you. You're yeah. alone, and you're in nature. So usually a wilderness area. Oh. And and you're fasting. You're going without food. Oh. So, yeah. So so basically, I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of well-known people who've done vision quests in the past. You know, Christ went into the desert for forty days and fasted. Yes, he did. Yeah, Buddha went into the forest in 500 BC huh. and fasted. Uh, Muhammad went into a cave and fasted. Moses climbed up Mount Sinai to speak with God and fasted. So yeah. those are all vision quests, and they and they involve solitude a removal from the culture and all of the messages of the culture. And then you connect deeply with nature uh, and your fasting, which produces a kind of mild altered state. But, um, oh, I see. Well, yeah. I understand your next vision quest is in the Gila wilderness. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or New Mexico. No, it, it, it's pronounced Gila. The G is oh, Gila. Okay. like an H. It's coming up uh, this month from October 17th to 27th of 2019. Is there still time for a listener to sign up? And if not, this um, time, will you, will you be offering more vision quests in the near yeah, future? Yeah, well, yeah, certainly a listener could sign up if uh, he or she did it quickly, because yeah. the uh, October 17th is, you know, two weeks yeah. away, essentially. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, every... But also every year I offer, um, starting in March uh, in Death Valley, I pretty much offer one vision quest per month until end of October, and then and then it's winter. <laughs> oh, I see. So at least you don't go to Death Valley in August. <laughs> no, uh, I, I've been there in August. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> well, I understand you have a book coming out not too uh far in the future called Vision Quest, but if a uh, listener is unable to attend one of your live events, is it possible to uh, perform a Vision Quest on your own? I guess it would be pretty difficult to, uh, without some coaching to do that. Well, I, I certainly in, in theory, certainly, yeah, you could go out into the woods or the desert or the canyons uh, for some length of time and, uh, and, and, and fast and be alone. And what I would say, and I've done that actually. The the uh, first uh, four or five vision quest I did, that's oh. exactly what I did. Wow. And what I would say though is, um, yeah, you'll always get good and useful insights. But one, doing it with a teacher, and two, doing it in a small group where there are other people doing it, is yeah. vastly richer and and tends to uh, introduce so many more perspectives and so for example in the vision quests i lead um there's actually three and a half days of preparation oh that's uh, I see. B- before the actual solo happens and yeah. and so i i i um and i teach a lot of i would say rituals and ceremonies that things that people can do on their quest like oh. um yeah like very um like uh, create rituals where they get to express all their uh, deep emotions they haven't expressed before, 
cool. or a, rit- a ritual called a death lodge where you you essentially create some kind of a, a circle. You could just create a circle of stones and you step into it, taking on the point of view that you're dying. And then you call in all of the important people of your life, parents, children, cool. and one by one, speak to them as if you will never, ever get to speak with them again. So oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, I noticed you also offer a program specifically for men. You mentioned that before your uh, annual five-day men's wisdom council and an eight-month-long or nine-month, I guess you said, the mythic <laughs> warrior training that begins uh, in October 2020. Uh, tell us a little bit about those. Uh, yeah, the... Um yeah, actually, actually, I just had a, I um, just this past weekend had a um, reunion of one of the past Mythagoria groups. They oh. all get together and uh, just to reconnect because it was such a powerful experience for them. That's great. Yeah. So, so yeah, the Mythic Warrior program. It's yeah, it's it's uh, nine months. It's one weekend a month. Oh. And 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 so we uh, we all come together and. We actually, um, the weekends are around, they're kind of choreographed around the archetype of the heroic journey. Oh, I don't know I if see. you're familiar with Joseph Campbell's heroic journey. Not really, but that, no. That's... But anyway, so it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like enacting a heroic journey of your life. And the first three months are about what we call severance or in the in the in the heroic journey, the hero or heroine always has to leave home to go off on an adventure. So the first three weekends are really about what do you need to leave behind to have your own life. Leave mom behind. <laughs> yeah, leave mom behind or leave behind certain teachings and assumptions you got as a child that don't work anymore. So yeah, so the first three months are about yeah what we need to leave behind oh, and the next uh, and working with them. And the se- second three months are about the second part of the heroic journey is when the hero or her- leaves home, he actually goes in this realm of primal forces, you know, like, oh. uh, you know, the hero sets sail over the, uh, uh, the sea that has sea monsters in it, or the hero goes to the underworld and okay. in these classic mythological image. So it's about, us entering our deep, deep parts of ourselves that we maybe haven't ever explored before. So, That's great. Well, where's yeah. the best place for our listeners to obtain your inspirational book, Letters to the River? Uh, you, I mean, you can uh, type in Letters to the River on, you know, on Amazon.com. Oh. Or, or you can actually just go to my website, which is www questforvision.com all lowercase quest for for vision.com and on the website there'll be tabs that um, there'll be a list of all the vision quests or lead the various workshops uh, um, books and other um, uh, podcasts and things you can download and yeah, that, all of that, all uh, of the, that uh, website is really packed with Useful information. I was amazed at, at what a comprehensive website it is. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate well, it. I bro. notice you also offer individual counseling. I guess people should contact you for that if they want it through the website. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a 
there's a there's a button for counseling and yeah we can set up an appointment and i mean these days that that mostly happens through zoom calls because yeah yeah well to conclude in middle age so many of us are living a joyless life far beneath our potential and uh, short of the aspirations of youth lost aspirations and as my guest Sparrow Hart so eloquently puts it, it's like we have size 10 feet, but we're wearing painful size 6 shoes, and we're so often confined within a size 6 life. We suffer with meaningless work, superficial relationships, and inherited or learned beliefs and attitudes that cut us off from deep connection with our senses, emotions, imaginations and the beautiful living earth and i might add it also cuts us off from our fellow human beings and from a spiritual connection with god the universal intelligence however you might refer to the uh, spiritual beings no wonder so many of us we men but a lot of you women too are in psychic pain lost and bereft of a joyful calling and as sparrow puts it we're numb distract or deaden ourselves to make it through and as he relates sparrow hart's journey of self-discovery has been long rich and fruitful and if you feel you haven't discovered your true purpose in life or distraught perhaps even resentful i highly recommend you visit sparrow hart's website questforvision.com and check out the many resources including his live vision quest workshops individual counseling and his program for men plus free blogs and other resources and i'm certain you'll realize from our conversation today sparrow hart and his associates are truly remarkable individuals who can help you discover your true purpose and your connection to the planet earth to god and to your fellow human beings and thank you so much sparrow for joining us here today and best of success uh, with all that you do well, thanks, Roy, and thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, the government recently reported a U.S. unemployment rate of 3.5%, the lowest rate in the past 50 years. So all of us who are now fully employed at middle age should feel safe and secure in our jobs, right? Unfortunately not, contends my next guest, prolific author and entrepreneur Hobie Smith, and he's here to explain why not. More importantly, he's here to propose a way to create your own job security at any age. And regular listeners may recall that Hobie Smith was a guest on our program approximately two years ago on September 26, 2017. Since that time, Hobie has written and released a new book titled Create Your Own Job Security, Plan to Start Your Own Business at Midlife. And he's here to highlight his book today, and to review, here's Hobie Smith's bio. At age 75, an age when most folks had long since retired, he started a successful business from scratch, Hobie's Knives from, Can- from China, and uh, Hobie's prior career as a professional geologist took him all over North America, including wilderness areas in Alaska, Montana, and northern Mexico. And he's author of 17 previous books, on a variety of topics from hunting to business startup, as well as articles in national publications. And hello, Hubby Smith. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. 
Well, thanks very much for having me. And uh, glad to see we're all still here. I'd like to begin an interview on a down note. Early in your new book, Create Your Own Job Security, you cite several reasons why folks of middle age may be especially vulnerable to layoffs and permanent job loss. Can you uh, highlight a few of those uh, reasons? Indeed, and there are several, and they're coming upon us very, very fast indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, right now, just today, uh, we have 50,000 people on strike at GM. Yeah. That's and the strike is not so much about their individual jobs or demands for higher pay. It's about the future of the entire industry. Yeah. GM is going to go ultimately towards electric vehicles. Yeah. They're not going to be needing all these things like transmission assembly plants, guys. No, that's true. And if that's what you've been doing for the last 15 years, uh, that job may walk out from under you. Yeah, I just read an article in our local paper today about uh, how so many truck driving jobs are going to go away in the next 15 to 30 years as they uh, have automatic driving, self-driving vehicles on long-haul routes. So that's, well, that's indeed, cool. that is so. Yeah. Uh, automation is a major threat. Yeah. And when these new car factories are being built, they will be increasingly automated. Yeah. Even now, today, in a modern factory, it's quite common that the security team on the job site or at the factory outnumbers the numbers of actual workers inside the plant. Yeah, that's true. You also mentioned mergers and acquisitions that uh, create dual staffs and one of them has to go. And then, uh, then there's a bias toward younger workers, I think. First of all, they cost less. Secondly, they don't have the accrued pension. And thirdly, uh, us folks 50 and over are considered dinosaurs on the tax side. <laughs> well, in many cases, that's exactly true. And they're throwing away a lot of good talent and a lot of skills that people have taken decades to develop. That's very true. Well, how do you respond to folks who say, now that I'm in my 50s, I'm simply too old to start my own business, I'm too set in my ways, and I've got too much to lose. I only wish I'd read your book 10 or 15 years ago. How do you respond to that? Well, it is never too late, guys. In fact, many people, some of whom you know very well in the industry, Colonel yeah. Sanders, for example, yeah, he didn't start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was well in his 60s. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and many others have done the same. Uh, you can go to the art world and find many artists who only started, uh, you know, late in life because that's the only time they had physically the time to yeah. devote to their art that's and concentrate great. it on it and sell it. Well, when so do what, you uh, recommend that our listeners begin planning and uh, forming and even launching their own business while they're still employed in their present job or only if and when they have been laid off? Well, don't wait till you're laid off. That's the worst time. Yeah. Absolutely the worst. Because if you held a job for 10 or 15 years and you sort of thought mentally, well, uh, this is all I can do or ever do, and I don't want to do anything else, I don't want to learn anything new, and blah, 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 uh, and all of a sudden you're laid off, you're going to be in the midst of the worst depression you have ever seen in your entire life. Not guaranteed panic of how you and you can't think of anything worthwhile doing yeah 
So That's true. It's not a good time to make points. What I suggest, and in a newer book I'll elaborate on this even more, yeah. that you start thinking about jobs as early as high school. Oh. <laughs> what you really want to do. And when you go to college, take some business courses. But now if you're already somewhere in the middle, you're somewhere you you know, you've been at the factory for fifteen or twenty years and you feel your job is imperiled, now is a time to sit back. You've lived some life now, you've seen some things and see if you can't create your own job. Yeah. Think about, okay, what have I seen that was badly done that I know how to do better? <laughs> what was that that I saw when I was on a trip that I thought was really neat, and I'd like to do that sometimes? Well, think about seriously, can you do it? Is it something new? You don't want to open another storefront in today's economy. I guarantee you that's a way to... Or go down the rat hole in a hurry. <laughs> you don't want to open another fast food place. I don't think you want to do that either. Those fields are all too crowded. Yeah. You want to pick out something that's uniquely you. Some combination of activities that you can do better than anyone else in the world. Something and you, you would discover do what even that if, is. Uh, nobody paid you to do it. I mean, that would be the ideal. But exactly. Of course, then you have to. Look at the other side and say, is this something that someone would pay me for if I were to open a... Well, now that's the trick, is (laughs) you you take it and you actually form your business whilst you're working. You do this quietly and you launch it and you see what happens. Yeah. Maybe you want to run a Kickstarter project or GoFundMe. Yeah. That's a quick way to judge interest. It's like a focus group in industry. Not so elaborate, but you can see, well, my, people are really interested in this thing I am doing. Okay, that's worth going after. They're willing to pay me some money for it, you know, yeah. right now. Yeah. And I haven't even done it yet. Yeah. Well, your so book you try is a, a comprehensive guide to starting a business from concept to launch with each chapter covering one uh, phase. Can you briefly summarize for us uh, a few of the necessary phases or planning and launching your new business? Well, first off, uh, you know, make a decision of which one you want to try right now, which one you need to try right now. Yeah. It might be something quick like eBay selling. You need some money to pay next month's rent. So you got to sell something. Okay, think about making a business out of it. Yeah. Uh, And selling for other people, too. Then, what's longer term? All right. All right. What is a proper name for a business? You don't want to call it uh, gym stuff because that doesn't tell anybody anything about nothing. No. So uh, go ahead and pick you out a good name, tell you how to do that, tell you how to copyright it, tell you how to start on your patents if you have patents, tell you how to look for other competitive businesses. Is somebody doing something like me? Yeah. Is somebody doing something that I want to do somewhere else in the world that hasn't been done here yet? Yeah. It was a success in Europe or China or yeah. Cuba or somewhere, but it hadn't been tried here. Maybe yeah. I can do that. Okay. Then uh, you test test drive your concept. You get partners, and these partners may be people you already know very well. Yeah. They may be, in fact, your own children. Yeah. Say you don't have some skills. Okay. 
you partner with somebody who does. Yeah. You never want to hire somebody who knows less about that particular part of the aspect or that particular aspect of the job than you do. No, of course not. There's no help at all. And you don't so, want somebody that has the exact same skills as you do. But you want to use people who already have the skills. If you have a nephew who's a whiz at online stuff, yeah. use him. If you have somebody, your wife, who writes better than you do, who can write sales copy, by all means involve them. This doesn't have to be a solo effort, although mine of necessity is. And many people are being forced into finding their own jobs, and they really need to go through these steps. Yeah. Yeah, as you point out in today's world of commerce, it's no longer necessary to have a vertically integrated business or even certainly a storefront location, as you point out. Is it possible to launch a business from your very own home with three or less employees, maybe at first just you? Of course it is. Yeah. And I've done it several times in several different directions. To give you an example from your part of the country, everybody knows Cabela's. Yeah. Well, those guys started, two brothers and their wives, selling flies that they did not tie oh. to fishermen who fished in a state where they did not live. Yeah. And they recently sold that business in their lifetime for $5.5 billion. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what Sabellus was, <laughs> you know, when they, uh, they're tied in with that uh, major retail outlet, sporting goods. Store. Well, they, they've now been uh, bought out by Bass Pro. But yeah. uh, for a long time, I mean, they were the place to go. And who ever heard of Bentonville, Arkansas before Sam Walton? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Nobody. Well, um, you point out, uh, as you point out, it's no longer necessary to have a uh, full-line business. But uh, the final question, how is your book unique and different from all the other books about starting a business? And do you uh, provide readers a magic formula that uh, guarantees success? No, I wish there was. Yeah. Uh, my book is different in that I teach by example. I teach from examples of my own life. What I have actually done. And so uh, these have included many different activities in many different directions, yeah. some of which have succeeded better than others. And that's just the nature of the business process. Yeah. Would you try something? If it works, okay, go with it. I've done, as, a, as you've heard, 18 books in many different directions of yeah. architecture, outdoor stuff, now business, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, health issues for that matter. And so uh, we keep plugging along. My knife business was not actually knives from China, but of China. Oh, and what yeah. I did there is I make knives based on ancient Chinese patterns that were produced in bronze 3,000 years ago. Oh, I see. And I make them here in central Georgia in my own shop out of modern steels for today's cooks and chefs. Oh, that's great. That's quite a different approach than just importing a bunch of Chinese knives. Yeah, well, that's I imported great. culture, not knives. I also like the fact that uh, you go from A to Z, from all the different aspects of uh, starting and uh, launching a business, so that it's not just a, a general summary. It gets into the details of what someone needs to do to, uh, from concept to actual launch. 
And I love that aspect to your book. Yeah, we do. And even uh, there's even a chapter on, well, how do you dispose of it? <laughs> how do you logically get rid of a business that you've been and so that's involved a, that's with? That's a crucial issue because for you years, obviously want to cash in at some point. What do you do with it, and what are the dangers? Yeah. Because there are some real dangers. Uh, you can wind up uh, like one business I know, Tree Lounge. They sold out, and the guys bought it. They burdened the business with another, with a whole bunch of debt, doing frivolous things, and then the people who owned it got it back with an enormous debt load on top of it. Oh, great! So they had no no choice but to go bankrupt. Well, in conclusion, in the late 1980s, shortly after we moved from Connecticut to Orange County, California, for a dream job as CFO of a property casualty insurance company. The parent company, a large conglomerate, was raided, then sold and broken up piece by piece. And less than two years later, I was out of a job. And I only wish I had had Hobie Smith's book back then, Create Your Own Job Security. Instead, I spent over a year in fruitless job research for an identical CFO position. And only after sacrifices, uh, sacrificing much of our family savings did I launch my own business as a wholesale specialty insurance broker. And uh, the work was okay, and we got our two kids through college. Uh, but I would have done better and uh, enjoyed life so much more have I followed Hobie's advice each step of the way. And I know unemployment today is incredibly low, but do you relish your present job? And you know many economists predict that an early U.S. recession is on the way. And uh, furthermore, technology is always on the march, and your job may be technically obsolete in a few years or even a few months. But don't try to do it all on your own. I recommend you preview and consider purchase of Hobie Smith's book, Create Your Own Job Security, Plan to start your own business at midlife, and it might be a great companion for my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. And by the way, where do we find your book, Hobie? Where's oh, it's that? available anywhere. Uh, Amazon.com for one. Uh, you can get it in both soft cover and as an inexpensive ebook. Yeah, great. No, that that would be a, a place to look, obviously, and uh, there are probably other places you can find it also. And thanks a million, Hobie Smith, for joining us today. Best of success on sale of your book and in all the future things you do. You seem to keep running at an age when most folks are retired and laying by the, uh, out in the porch. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the only thing that leads to is an early death. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, thanks you ladies and gentlemen for joining us today. And as we leave, I trust you'll keep routinely in mind that middle age can be your best age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 